0: Today is about solidarity. Not solitarity, but solidarity. Those are close words, aren't they? There's only one letter difference, but they are worlds apart. Solidarity, not solitarity. To help you think of that, I want you to imagine we can take our lesson this morning. You don't have to imagine it. We can take our lesson from the animal world. Consider the wolf. The wolf. There is kind of a popular um, myth about a lone wolf figure, right, someone who goes their own way. That's going to be our figure this morning for those who choose the path of solitarity. And the solitary wolf is sometimes in our minds held up as this heroic kind of figure. But is that the way it works in nature? In nature, is the lone wolf the great figure of strength, of power, of vitality, of survival? Or is the lone wolf the one who is probably out of luck? In nature, solidarity is far better than solitarity. at least if you're part of the wolf pack, because in the pack, in the pack there is strength, in the pack there is power, in the pack there is a whole bunch of wolves all around each of those individual wolves. And the solidarity is stronger than the solitary That's true about wolves, and it's also true about humans. Just consider how they punish criminals. If you're in prison and you step out of line, what do they do to make your life more miserable? They don't put you with more people, solidarity. They put you by yourself, solitary confinement on our own, alone, cut off from everyone else, that is the way of suffering, that is the way of pain, that is the way of punishment. But in a group, in a group there is power. And this is what I mean about solidarity. You are meant for solidarity, not for solitarity. Now as Americans, we often embrace that lone wolf figure, right? We like to consider ourselves self-made men and women. We can figure it out ourselves, we can do it ourselves, just like our ancestors did before us. The problem is, that's not a true story. No man lives life alone, and no one who is successful, barring a few marginal exceptions, but no one who is successful does it by himself. It is within the group, within the pack. It is with a whole host of friends, of brothers, of companions around us that we truly thrive. And this is what we celebrate this morning. Not just human solidarity, not just standing in together, but that God, the Son of God, aligns himself with you. That's what the baptism of Jesus is all about That Jesus did not come to be a lone wolf figure, but that he came and joined himself to sinful humanity. That he stepped into that place that was totally reserved for sinners only. John did a good job of making sure everyone knew that if you go into this water, if you go into the waters of the Jordan River, you can only go in one way, as a sinner Remember what he said to the Pharisees who came out just to kind of watch the Pharisees who didn't want to confess their sins? What did John say to them? You brood of vipers, you brood of vipers, don't come out here just to entertain yourselves. Don't come out here just to check out and see things that are going on. This is a place for sinners only. And so he was confused when Jesus came and said, John, I want to be part of that group. I want to align myself with this pack, this pack of sinful humanity that is going down under the waters of the Jordan River. I want to stand in with them. I want to be in solidarity with them. John was confused. And wouldn't you be? John had long proclaimed that after him was coming someone who was far greater than him, someone whose sandals he wasn't even worthy to stoop down and untie. And now here comes Jesus, and he says, John, baptize me. John can't wrap his mind around this. Why would the Son of God need to be baptized? Why would the sinless Lamb of God align himself with sinners? This is our joy this morning. This is our joy this year. This is our joy throughout all of our lives that the Son of God wants to stand in solidarity with you. That's what Jesus' baptism is all about. And so he insists against John's protests. And we're not told exactly what that conversation was. I'm sure it was a little bit longer than just the few words that you heard this morning. But Jesus insists on it, doesn't he? He insists on not going his own way, not going out as a lone wolf, but Jesus insists that this is how God's righteousness will be fulfilled by him joining himself with sinners. And so John consents. It's all very reminiscent of another story in the Gospels, isn't it? Do you remember on the night when Jesus was betrayed, how he stooped down to wash the feet of his disciples? You remember how that was the job of a servant, right? And how Jesus took off his outer garments, how he wrapped himself in the servant's garb, and he bent down with a bowl of water to do that most menial of tasks, to wash the feet of his disciples. And what did Peter say? Well, he said the kind of thing that John probably said. Lord, far be it from you to do this. This is beneath you. This is the kind of thing that only the lowest person does. And yet Jesus insisted to Peter, this is why I have come. You don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand it later. That's exactly what Jesus was saying to John at the Jordan River, and that is exactly what we celebrate this morning, that Jesus insists on standing in with you. Now, who would you stand in with? Would you stand in solidarity with people who are of kind of low status? Would you stand in solidarity with people who you have really nothing in common with? We can understand standing in with those who we like. We can understand standing in with our family, those who we share blood with. We can understand standing in with those who have the same political views as us, those who think the same way about us. But who in their right mind would stand in solidarity with those who are beneath us? And yet this is precisely what the Son of God does for you. This is grace, writ large, that God, the Son of God, entered our flesh, that he became our brother, and that he insisted on joining himself so closely to you that you can't sever yourself from him. This is what we see at the baptism of Jesus. And in this act of solidarity with sinners, Jesus is revealed. The Son of God is revealed in all of his glory. Think about this. This is the act... That God chose to announce to the whole world, here is my beloved son. He didn't choose to do that at some kind of isolated lone wolf miracle. Jesus could have done some grand trick, right? He could have amazed everyone every day of his life. And when he did some grand trick, God could have shouted down from heaven, see, this is my beloved son. But it's when he joins himself in with sinners, it is in that moment It is when he goes under the waters of the Jordan River and comes up, symbolizing his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. It is in that moment that God chooses to rip apart the heavens and shout down so that everybody gets it, here is what I'm all about. Here is where the Spirit comes. Here is where the Father's voice descends on Jesus. Here is the good pleasure of the Almighty God not to stand as an isolated lone wolf, but to join himself to sinners. That's what Jesus' ministry was all about. It wasn't about doing tricks. It wasn't about performing random miracles. It wasn't about going his own way, but it was about joining himself to you. This is why we celebrate solidarity, not just human solidarity, us standing together, holding hands and singing kumbaya, but we stand in celebration today with the Son of God, That Jesus, the sinless lamb, has come into our world and said, Here, let me take your sins. Here, let me take your pains. Here, let me take your griefs. Here, let me take your death into myself. And let me give you in its place my life. Let me give you in its place my forgiveness. Let me give you in its place my joy. Let me give you in its place my standing before the Heavenly Father. This is what solidarity is all about. When I was a student, I was a good student. I don't like to brag, and I'm not bragging, but I was a good student, and so I dreaded group projects. Maybe you remember that. I dreaded group projects because I knew what it meant. It meant that I was going to do all the work, and the other people in the group were going to get my grade, and that just wasn't fair, you know? But suppose you were one of those, you know, less fortunate students. Group projects sound pretty good, don't they? I don't have to do the work. I know David's going to do the work, and I can get his grade. Well, in some small way, isn't this precisely what Christianity is all about? That the Son of God comes into our world, and he says, look, let's make it a group project. Let me take your place. Let me live out a perfect life under God's law. Let me do all the work for you, and let me give it to you by grace. Now, again, I say it's only in a small way like this, because we aren't meant to be resentful, we aren't meant to kick back and take it easy, but instead the love of Jesus Christ, his solidarity with us, is meant to enkindle in us that same sense of love for him. And this is why today we celebrate not just Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, but we celebrate our baptism into him. Because as much as he has made himself one with you, so also in holy baptism, you have been made one with him. The solidarity goes both ways. This is why when the Bible talks about baptism, it uses the preposition into. You have been baptized into something. You have been baptized into a pack. You have been baptized into the wolf. You have been baptized into Christ Jesus. And so you are not a solitary person. No Christian is a solitary Christian. You are part of the body of Christ. You are in solidarity with Jesus. Baptized into Christ. Baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You never stand alone. Think about how wonderful that is. In your darkest moments, in your worst fears, on the darkest of nights, on the coldest of days, you are not alone. Christ Jesus is with you, standing among you, standing with you, saying, I will be yours and I will give you my strength, I will give you my power, I will give you my life. This is why we put the baptismal font right here in the center of our church. I've seen old pictures and I think in some of the old pictures it was kind of tucked away over here. And that's a fine spot to put it, I guess. But isn't it much better to have it front and center? Isn't it much better to have the font open with water in it every week, not so that we can be re-baptized as if we needed it all over again, but so that we might dip our fingers in there and trace the cross on us, remembering that as we have been united into Christ, so we also live in him. That water never really dries off of you who are baptized. The water of holy baptism never gets old, never gets stale. There's never algae that grows over it. The water of holy baptism always stands because in that water there is a promise. In the water there is the word of God. The word of God that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always. So you are part of something wonderful. You are not solitary, individual Christians who just so happen to come together and find like-minded people here. No, you are part of a group of solidarity. And that life of solidarity has to be nurtured, doesn't it? Think again of the wolf pack. In the wolf pack, the wolves don't just think, well, we're all part of the same group, so that's great, but now we're all going to go do our own thing. They work together, don't they? They live together. They move together. They hunt together. They eat together. They do everything together. And the life of a Christian is meant to be like that. You have been brought into the body of Christ. You have been united to Jesus Christ. You have been baptized into his name. And so you can't think of yourself as a solitary figure any longer. You must think in these terms, solidarity. That what happens to your brothers and sisters in this place somehow affects you, even if you can't figure it out quite fully. And what that means is you should get to know each other, right? Let's, put, let's make this very practical. It means that you should spend time together. After all, solidarity is not just a concept. It is meant to be lived out. So make it your aim this morning. Make it your goal. Make it your resolution this year to be here every week, every Sunday. Every Sunday, say, I'm going to be part of the church I am going to gather in the name of Jesus Christ. I am going to worship with my brothers and sisters because I need it and because they need me. That's how solidarity works, isn't it? It is a two-way thing. When you are weak, then those around you, are, the others are strong. And when you are strong, there is someone else who is weak. So make it first and foremost your aim to be in worship every week, showing solidarity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But when you go out from this place, don't let that baptismal water be forgotten. Don't let that baptismal solidarity disappear. Begin to think with Christ. He is our wisdom, St. Paul said. And so when you think about your goals for the week, when you think about your job and the work that you are called to do, consider how you can do it in honor of Christ, Consider how his word and how his teachings and how his commandments influence your life as a father, as a mother, as a child, as a friend, as a worker. In all of these things, you are meant to show solidarity with Jesus Christ. And as you do that, you show that light of Christ out into the world. And finally, you should get to know one another. I already mentioned this before, but when you come up for communion this morning, and when you see people going back to their seats, if you don't know someone's name, well, we could make everyone wear name tags, but I don't like forcing these things. Introduce yourself. Ask them who they are. Ask them where they're from. Ask them what they do. And if you're so bold, if you can handle this, maybe even consider inviting someone over to your house That seems almost like not even worth mentioning from the pulpit, but I think it is. I think it is in our world where everyone is so isolated, where everyone is so solitary, and where we substitute these virtual forms of connectedness for the real thing. What happens to people? They become disconnected, lone wolves, and we are not meant to live that way. The church is not meant to be a bunch of isolated people throughout the week who just happen to see each other in this building, in this place for an hour. We are meant to live together, to share our lives together, to share our tables together, and to act together in the world. So make it your aim to live out this solidarity because in the solidarity of Jesus Christ, in the solidarity of the church, there is this wonderful blessing that you are not alone that the Son of God joins himself to you and joins you to himself and says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Hold fast to me. Find your life in me. Find your wisdom, your sanctification, your redemption, your salvation in me. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.